It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow knight. Trust Gordon and Partners for the injured. All right, welcome in, Sons of UCF Live. This is really confusing, first of all. Trace, not here. Leo, not here. It's a Wednesday, and then this smiling gentleman across the screen for me is back after a couple of months sabbatical. UCF Mike, officially Florida Panther Mike, apparently, is back with us. Mike, we've missed you, my friend. What is up? How are you doing? How are you feeling? The Panthers aren't on right now, by the way, but I, I appreciate the, uh, the gear you have behind you. It's great to be back on the Sons of Kachuk podcast. I missed you guys. Uh, I'm ready to uh, discuss the four check and all the things that go along with this first round of the Eastern Conference Finals. Panthers, Hurricanes. I know you guys are all pumped up for that too, right? Did you did you not get the show rundown of that? None of that's actually included in tonight's episode because <laughs> the Heat are on in like 35 minutes. So I'm going to need you to carry the show like around 8:40. You can just kind of step in and take care of everything from there. That'd be fantastic. Is my Heatles game one in Boston? So I'm going to need you to really step up, Mike, around 8:40. No problem. I can break down the lines of what we're going to do up in game one. How are we going to do line by line, the Panthers lineup and all that stuff? Uh, I'm ready. I'm prepared to carry the show for the last 20 minutes. Oddly, when I thought you were going to break down lines, I had something completely different in <laughs> mind, Mike. But let's transition off of that. We got a couple of news and notes headlines off the top. We got a cool guest already in the green room. And Mike decided just to leave the show, which is fantastic. Because without Mike, it's just me talking to everybody on here. And that's not exactly what you all signed up for. So UCF, Mike, actually not back. This was not part of the, uh, the drill tonight. So I'll wait for Mike to come back in. But news today, EA Sports announcing our favorite video game is coming back, maybe. And this time, if it comes back, it's going to have the actual names of the players, Mike. Uh, you can opt in and have your name. It's an NIL situation. I know we were huge uh, college football video game guys back in high school, Mike. They're bringing it back. Name, image, likeness will play a factor. You can opt in and get money. You can opt out and be replaced with a generic character, Mike. Do you like EA Sports now including the names of players and those guys getting paid for their work? 
I love that stuff, right? And for years, people would come up with programs to put the names in where you'd have to create the characters yourself of the players you wanted. Now these guys are going to be in the game already and they're going to get paid for it. It's a win-win situation. Why would you opt out of it if you were a player? I don't. And how much are they going to get paid? I mean, it can't be a lot, but at least it's something. I love when you ask questions I cannot answer. I have no idea what the payment scale will look like. Why would you opt out? Great question. Maybe you think you can get more money elsewhere or that sort of inhibits your rights in some way, shape, or form. I wonder if like the top, top players in college football, whenever this game comes out, I think it's slated for 24 or 25 at this point. So who knows who the top players will be, but maybe they think they can get their own licensing deal or something, or they're not going to get as much money as they're worth. I, who, who knows, Mike, but it's a cool idea. It's a cool endeavor. Um, it would be even better if, if they let you pick, like, so I saw this on Twitter, so I don't know who did this. So I don't want to steal their idea. I saw somebody on Twitter say, if they let you pick your cover athlete and essentially send you the, the game, if you pick John Rice Plumley, he's on the cover. Um, you know, you, they, Plumley, everyone can make a killing off that, Mike. Some creative ideas potentially from, uh, from this game, if you ask me. Yeah, but then the video game people would have to pay more people more money. I don't think that's happening. Uh, but do you even buy the CDs anymore? I don't know. I don't have the, the PlayStations anymore, but don't you just basically download these games off the internet? Do you even need the disc anymore? I'm really glad we're skewing younger. <laughs> Mike, when you asked me how to play video games, I think both are an option. Yes, you can download, but I think you can also buy the CDs. Devin wants to know, will JRP have 99 speed? Uh, well, I don't know about 99. I think the only people they ever gave 99s to were like uh, Deion Sanders or I Maybe one of the, the Barber brothers, Tiki Barber, maybe had it or something. Tiki Barber wasn't a 99. I know he wasn't a 99. Get out of here. <laughs> I'm telling Tiki you. Barber what? wasn't a 99. <laughs> I need someone, someone in research look that up. There's no way a Barber brother was 99. There's no I, way. I'm telling you, they were, they were ranked high in those games. You're not telling me. I'm not, you're not telling me. I'm not believing that. There's no way that's, that's a possibility at no. all, Mike. Um, the last time I played one of those games, I believe it was like the 13 season. We had Blake Bortles and, and, and Godfrey, but they haven't had that game, I don't think, in not. almost 10 years. So. Leo, live on location from Italy, uh, chiming in. He doesn't own a single disc for his PS5. So that just shows you how old you and I, Mike, are. Speaking of old, your favorite coach, congratulations, Johnny Dawkins, elected to the College Basketball Hall of Fame, Mike. Our college basketball head coach is a Hall of Famer. Your thoughts? It has to be for his coaching, right? Because he hasn't played a college basketball game in 40 years. So it's not like you know he's added to anything on his resume there. So it must be the job that he's done coaching here at UCF finally put him over the hump, got him into the College Basketball Hall of Fame. Now, wow. this is the, the College Basketball Hall of Fame or just the Basketball Hall of Fame? The National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame. Because the regular, just the Basketball Hall of Fame, is he already in that? Because I don't believe so. I don't believe so. He's not like George O'Leary. He's not in a lot of Hall of Fames. I can't confirm or deny. <laughs> because that Hall but of I, Fame, I, I think, lets everybody in. Yes. Yes, so, the Basketball Hall of Fame lets everybody in. Uh, maybe it's the Stanford NIU championships. I mean, back-to-back -back <laughs> NIT years, that's a, great, that's a great point, Leo. Devin wants the, uh, the Johnny Dawkins uh, statue uh, out, uh, out in front of uh, additional addition Financial Arena. I mean, he was a really good college basketball player. Mike, to your point, it's been about 35 years since he's played, but he's legendarily been um, considered one of the guys who essentially got Coach K in that first class to come in and help to bring the Duke dynasty to where it is today. Um, so maybe it's his playing days. They're writing some wrongs. Maybe Coach uh, Coach K lobbied hard on his behalf. Who knows? But our head basketball coach, Mike, is a Hall of Famer, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Um, this next story, maybe this guy will be a Hall of Famer one day. We'll see where where that happens. That Taylor Hendricks, 
widely positioned to be a top 10 pick in the NBA draft. We had the draft lottery last night, Mike. We now know the top 10 picks. Uh, San Antonio obviously will take uh, Wembenyama with the number one pick. Scoot Harrison probably number two. Uh, but three through 10 or 11 potentially, Taylor Hendricks land, Mike. I know you've had a chance to study the top 10 in depth. What's your projection? Where is Taylor Hendricks going to get drafted on June 22nd? I believe the Orlando Magic have, what, the eighth pick in the draft? That's the sixth pick, yep. Sixth, okay. <laughs> That's where he's going. He's staying right <laughs> here in town, Orlando. Uh, hometown yeah. favorite, hometown hero. They'd be dumb not to take him. So I believe that's where he's going to end up. And I think it'd be a All perfect right. fit for the Magic. Magic have six and 11, Mike. So if he falls, they can they actually have 11 or they can move back up. I think he's somewhere in that five to eight, nine range. So Detroit, Orlando, Indiana, Washington, I think he's somewhere in that in that ballpark. But it'll be pretty cool to see a UCF guy hopefully walk across the stage on NBA draft night. I don't think you and I have ever experienced that in our UCF fandom lifetime. I don't. I don't think Jermaine Taylor walked across the stage as a, as a top 10 pick uh, or even as a, a pick at all. So this could be a first for UCF basketball, which is pretty cool. Was Taylor a second rounder? Maybe I think he was drafted. I believe he was correct. I think he was second round, but they only do the, uh, the suit and shake hands with the commissioner. If you're in the first round, I think it's the same thing with the end, like the NFL, like you're not going to go hang out in the green room. If you're not going to be one of those top 10 picks. So I suspect that um, if you're not top 10, you're probably not hanging out. All right. Well, something exciting to look forward to only a couple weeks away. Hope for the best. What's the best situation for him? Do you think to get the most playing time, make the biggest impact right away? Well, you want playing time? Or you want to win? I mean, playing yeah. time, all these teams are bad, right? So you'd think he'd have a, an opportunity to, to play in a lot of these teams, Houston, Detroit, Orlando. I don't know how much playing time he would get. They've got a really good young core. Um, I mean, they, they made a lot of noise. They were potentially in, in the, some of that playoff stuff. They really only got the extra pick because of the Chicago Bulls uh, and the trade they had with Vucevic. So, um, Indiana, he gets some playing time. If he goes three to Portland, I three is high. Portland's a, a darn good team. Damian Lillard, um, obviously is a, a, a perennial all-star. I think there's talk that Portland may trade that pick. So maybe he doesn't get there, but, um, I think he can get a significant number of playing time. If he gets to 10 at Dallas again, Luca, I don't know if Kyrie comes back. I don't know if you want Kyrie back by the way for Dallas, but Luke is there, you know, they got some young guys there. That could be an interesting spot for him as well. But any of these top, I mean, Indiana, Utah at nine, actually. Utah had a pretty good year, too. So I pretty much named every team, by the way. <laughs> no chance he slips and gets down to, like, the heat or something like that. Huh? I don't think it's possible, man. I mean, you know how these draft things work. If he has a bad couple of workouts, he, you know, they, they find a hangnail. I mean, anything's possible at the draft, but it's uh, it's hard to say. Staying basketball really quickly, UCF had three guys in the portal, uh, and then one leaves. Joey Hart, a, a, a freshman incoming recruit, has asked to be released from his uh, national letter of intent. UCF has uh, has honored that intent. So just when we thought things were looking up, Mike, we lose a, a high school kid. Gives Johnny one more one more scholarship to find uh, somebody in the portal. Obviously, you know, it sounds like Joey Hart's got some stuff he's working with in his family for situation. So we wish Joey the best of luck as he moves on. Mike, let's uh, let's go football for a second. Your friend Gus Malzahn, like making the media rounds. He was out and about. He was at the Charge on Tour in Atlanta. Saw Barrett Salee had a favorable article about UCF. I actually fainted as I read that headline, which was which was rare. Uh, but Gus made some rounds this week. Like he was on the co the Coach Me Up podcast with Jimmy Dykes. And I want to read this quote for you as I bring in our next guest. Week in and week out, the Big 12 was a grind. There are no off dates. You got to bring your lunch 
every day. You've got to win close games. That's the biggest challenge, Mike. So obviously winning close games will help UCF. And I found, I've found i been following this guy on Twitter for a long time, and it's very apparent he's way smarter than I am. Uh, and so uh, he does a lot of stuff with projections and graphs, and uh, he had some stuff out about UCF recently, and I'm dying to hear his perspective on how UCF's going to do this year. So let's bring in our friend Kelly Ford, uh, who you can find on Twitter at KFordRatings. Kelly, thanks for uh, so much for joining us here on the Suns UCF Live. No, absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. That was uh, that was some great talk there for the first 10 minutes. I was learning a lot all about, you know, South Florida sports and everything. So I don't get much into that. It's all college football for me. But that was really fun. I appreciate you guys having me. You never know what you're going to get around here, Kelly. So before we get to all your charts and graphs, I got them. I'll pull up on screen for a second. Um, Take me through your process. Like, you know, you put together these pretty in-depth charts. What's your research look like? How do you how do you kind of come up with some of the numbers and the the model that you use to, to put together your analysis? Yeah, for sure. So when I started out, I basically learned everything I could about Bill Connolly's SP plus or at the time S&P plus and Brian Fromo's FEI. And so those are kind of the two godfathers for me in college football predictive analytics. So I learned as much as I could about what they were doing um, and eventually set out to kind of chart my own path and see if I could put some numbers out there for everyone to consume. So my process is very similar to Bill's. As I'm building my preseason numbers, I'm looking at three main inputs. It's returning production, which UCF actually grades out pretty well, um, at least relative to the Big 12 and relative to Power 5 teams. Um, So that's really going to help UCF's preseason power rating in my system. It is your recent recruiting. So how well have you recruited over the course of the last four classes, um, devaluing the weight the farther back we go? And then what are your recent K-Ford ratings? Um, So the last four years of your program's power rating at the end of the year, again, de-weighting as we go farther back. That's really what makes up the preseason power rating. And then once we get going into the season, I uh, de-weight the preseason aspect. And of course, it gets replaced with in-season data. So in a nutshell, that's what I do on the power rating side. I'm then able to take the power ratings and have them serve as the engine for my most deserving resume rankings. Um, So it's a way for me to basically evaluate every single team and put into context what they've accomplished relative to what the average top 25 team would be expected to accomplish against that team's schedule. So power ratings, resume rankings um, are the two main things that that I'm doing in the college football space. Uh, here is your chart. Here's what you created for uh, for UCF. So um, give me the highlight. If I'm a UCF fan, what number on this chart here should I be most excited about? I assume the green is good, but give me the number that you when you when you put this together that as a UCF fan, we should be most excited about. Yeah, green is good. Red is bad. Yellow is hard for, from, for playing an opponent and blue is easier. Uh, so the number that I think UCF fans should be most excited about, it, again, I'm an outsider looking into the program, UCS making the jump into the Big 12, into the Power 5. I'd be excited right in the top right there overall, um, looking at seven and a half wins on average is what my numbers are projecting for UCF, which is the best of any of the four new members of the Big 12. Um, And and really, it's right there in line with, with a lot of Power 5 programs. And so to me, that's what I'd be excited about. You could also get excited um, at the 52%. So my numbers say there's a 52% of eight plus regular season wins this year for UCF. So a 50-50 chance you're going to get to eight. Um, again, first year in the Big 12, first year in the Power 5. I think that's a really, really good sign. Um, and then a, a, another number you can get excited about maybe is down in the bottom right all those different difficulty um, measures, what those numbers are representing is how difficult is it, how difficult would it be for the average top 25 team to reach each of those record thresholds, six and six, eight and four, 10 and two, 12 and 0 against your schedule. So you can see UCF's 
um, difficulty strength ranges anywhere from 41 to 51. That means it's the the average top 25 team would have the 51st most difficult time going undefeated against UCF schedule. That's above average in, in uh, FBS, but that's obviously below average in the Power Five. So when you're looking at it in totality, UCF schedule is actually not as difficult as maybe some other Power Five programs out there. And looking within the Big 12 specifically, UCF only has the 11th most difficult schedule by my numbers out of the 14 um, Big 12 schools. That's largely driven the fact that UCF is able to avoid Texas, who my numbers have power rated very highly uh, coming into this year during the Big 12 uh, portion of the schedule. How many years have you been making these charts? And just to give us an example, last year, how accurate were you? Yeah. Um, so this is this is the first year that I've publicly put out a graphic like this. I really like it. I'm doing it for all 133 FBS teams this year. Um, and it'll be nice for me to have to reference going back. Um, but you can see in the bottom left what my 2022 expectations were for every single team. Of course, this is the UCF one. Um, so UCF won nine regular season games last year. That is 0.2 more than my preseason realistic expectations had for the Knights last year. I was projecting 8.8. So we're UC 7.5 this year. There was 8.8 there last year. Again, that's a function of playing in the American versus playing in the Big 12. Um, and that 0.2 positive number there grades out 50. So 0.2 more wins than expected. That was 57th best in the entire country last year. So right around average, as you'd expect that number being close to zero. Um, but I put that out there for every single one of the FBS teams uh, that, that played FBS last year. So all 131 from last year. Um, I was within a half game or a game of the actual for the large majority of the FBS teams last year, which makes me feel really good about my numbers and, and, and my, and my predictive um, ability to try to hit the, you know, over under on a season win total for any given team. There were some teams though, that I whiffed on. Uh, I think my biggest overachiever was TCU. Uh, TCU obviously went 12 and 0. I predicted somewhere around six, six and a half wins for them. So that was a massive overachievement last year. My biggest underachiever last year, most people want to say it was Texas A&M. It actually wasn't. Uh, my numbers were a little bit lower on Texas A&M than most. I was projecting uh, around eight wins for for the Aggies, which uh, I caught a lot of grief for coming into last year because Aggie fans were telling me that was crazy. Well, it turns out they only got five, I believe it was, in the regular season. So that minus three um, was the biggest underachiever. Um, sorry, it was one of the biggest underachievers. It was actually Miami, though. That was the biggest underachiever, uh, the Hurricanes, out of any team last year. I, I missed them by, you know, three, three and a half games uh, the wrong way. So there are going to be those outliers. I feel good that my outliers are typically the outliers that Vegas has as well. So my projected wins are, are usually um, right around the Vegas over under, which again, gives me a little bit of validity as I'm uh, fact checking my own model. You mentioned Texas already. You have a big expectations for them and Oklahoma are your top two picks in the big 12. How much of that is based on reputation? How much of it is based on last year? I mean, last year, Texas went six and three, Oklahoma went three and six in the same conference. Yeah, so I get that question a lot. Um, it's not based at all on reputation. I say that and people don't believe me, but it's not. Um, I talked about what the three inputs are for my preseason numbers. And again, those those values will change as we get going through the season get, and replace it with in-season data. But looking at the talent roster of Texas and Oklahoma, basically how well have they recruited, their, their power ratings each of the last four years, Texas especially has underachieved relative to expectations. But from a power rating standpoint, they've, sp they've still been highly regarded in my model as well as many other models out there that do power ratings for college football. So when you put all of those together and then you – 
make the relative um, the comparison point of the, the Big 12 teams, the teams they're competing against in the conference. That's how you get to where these numbers are. Now, there's not a huge gap. Um, I mean, to be honest, between Oklahoma and maybe the, those next couple teams down there, but there is there is a little bit. I mean, you got 1.2 games, but projected uh, average wins between Oklahoma at number two and TCU at three. Uh, but if you look at the percent chance to eat to reach each of those individual thresholds in conference play, you can see that those numbers are not very far off. And so, again, this is just a starting point for evaluating teams. This is not by any means the end all be all. Um, I, I never suggest that it is, but it definitely is. It gives folks kind of a high level view of a team from the numbers perspective. All right, getting back to UCF for a second. If I look at your chart correctly, you basically have three games that you're giving UCF a pretty tough chance of winning at Kansas State, at Oklahoma, at Texas Tech. Right? So is that is that correct based on your projections? Those are three games that um, the model is basically telling you UCF is, is, does not have a great chance to win. Yeah, and those those are the three. I would say um, Oklahoma for sure. You know, my numbers right now projecting a ten and a half point underdog on the road uh, in Norman. Now you're coming off a bye, so my numbers don't necessarily see that. That that's a scheduling dynamic that's not captured by the model, but that could definitely benefit UCF in that spot in Week Eight. Um, but twenty two percent chance to win that game. That's definitely the most difficult one there, even at Kansas state and at Texas tech, you're looking at a 37 and a 40% chance respectively to win. I mean, that, that's not unheard of. You can easily pull those off. Now on the flip side of that, you could, you could maybe lose a couple games that my numbers have UCF as, as smaller favorites in you. I'm looking at Baylor. I'm looking at um, Cincinnati. I'm looking at Oklahoma state, but yes, that is correct. Right now, my numbers only see three games on the schedule where UCF um, based on the information we have right now, would potentially be underdogs. So I think that bodes very well for a team making the transition into the, into the big 12. Yeah. I want to stay on Cincinnati for a second. Obviously that's a road game for UCF. Um, so a, how much does that factor in road at home and B does your model factor in coaching changes? Obviously Cincinnati with a new head coach this year. I know you talked about returning players, do coaching changes, scheme changes. Is there any way for you to factor that kind of stuff into your model? Yeah. So the first question, home, road and neutral is absolutely accounted for. Um, I have a home field advantage that I apply um, to every single game that's played. Uh, I'm playing around with the idea of assigning different home field weights based on venue because playing a game, for example, uh, at Bryant Denny is maybe not the same as playing a game at Miami of Ohio. Um, so th that's maybe in a future version of the model. But right now there's a standard home field that gets applied to that. And then the second question how much do coaching changes and scheme changes play into my model? The shorter answer is they don't. Um, the longer answer is they do kind of, but I don't have a dedicated uh, input into the model that accounts for that. Again, that's another area that I'd like to improve on the model moving forward. Cincinnati, though, returning one of the lowest um, amounts of returning production from last year's team um, coming into this year. So while Cincinnati's been a very good team, especially in recent years under Luke Fickle, uh, not only is he gone and, and met with the coaching staff, but much of the production that they've had to have a lot of success in the American recently is also not no longer on the roster. Looking at the whole conference again, I see you have TCU, Kansas state, Texas tech, Oklahoma state, UCF and Baylor pretty much all bunched in with about the same percent chance to win six games. Um, which, in your opinion, before the season, who has the best shot of maybe making it to Dallas for a championship game? Yeah, outside of Texas and Oklahoma, those got to be the two favorites. But outside of those two, um, you, you hit the nail on the head, Mike. They, they are all very similar. Um, I do like TCU and, and the, the confidence and experience that they have from last year. The same could be said for Kansas State, obviously having won the Big 12 last year uh, against TCU in Dallas. Um, so it's hard to go against either of those two out of the group you just named. I know they're also listed as three and four, but you said it. I would not be surprised at all in the order of three really through 
eight or nine even. I mean, you could get all the way down to Cincinnati um, before you're thinking that there's another maybe drop-off in the numbers. So um, it's all going to come down to close games, as it does in college football every single year and in every single conference. Can you win those close games? Can you win those games that you're projected to have a toss-up? As I look at UCF's schedule, again, you've got one, two, three, four games projected within four points or less, right? If you can go 4-0 and in those games, I really like your chances to over overachieve. If you go 0-4, you're probably not going to be very happy with the season. The reality is you'll probably end up somewhere in between. A team like Kansas made a big improvement last year. I think they won five games. Looked like they're getting things going, but I'm looking here on the chart. They're all the way back at the bottom. What, what do you see about Kansas that you don't like this year? Yeah, Kansas was a great story last year. We talked about the overachievers. Uh, TCU, Kansas was another one, especially early on in the year as they're rattling off all those wins. Um, I was rooting for them to get bowl eligible. I was certainly glad that they did. Um, But Kansas, again, when the preseason numbers are looking at your returning production, your recent recruiting, and your recent K-Ford ratings. While Kansas had a great year last year, that was really the first year in a long time that, they'd, that they've had a good you know, power rating in my rating set. Um, and, and looking at the returning production being below Power 5 average, below FBS average, the, the preseason numbers just aren't favorable for Kansas. That's not. I'm not able to capture, though, some of those intangible things in and around that program that seemingly they had all in alignment last year and were able to kind of be, be pulling in the right direction. If they're able to do that again this year, they certainly could overachieve expectations. But Kansas is a team that last year really overachieved. My numbers are accounting for that this year. Probably expecting a little bit of regression back to their historical mean, but um, certainly that they've got a quarterback in place and an offense in place where uh, they can do some damage. I don't think they're going to catch anyone off guard like they did last year, so that probably hurts them a little bit. But I have them as a top five offense in the Big Twelve, um, and so anything's possible when when you can score points. Kelly, our uh, friend of the show, Dolly Drama, big fan of of your data. He has a question I want to throw to you for a second. Uh, what's your background education, and how did you get interested in stuff like this? Yeah, no, I, I appreciate Dolly. He uh, or th- That account has been great to interact with recently, so I appreciate that. Um, my background in education, my undergrad is in mechanical engineering. Um, I no longer work as a design engineer, though. I went to grad school and was able to make a transition uh, into college athletics, actually. So I am actually an assistant commissioner for competition and basketball strategies is my official title, kind of a mouthful, at the Horizon League, which is a Division One conference in Indianapolis, uh, probably most notable for uh, Butler when they were going to the final four back in 2010, 2011. Butler was a member of the Horizon League at that time. Of course, they no longer are, but um, that's what I do for a, for a full time. The, the, the ratings are just a hobby, um, but I've really enjoyed uh, digging into them and who knows what they what they could potentially lead to one day. All right. So your numbers are great, man. You're really smart. You got a lot of cool graphs, but you really caught my attention for this. This has to be one of the best setups I've seen in anybody's house. You've got five solid TVs. Wires look really, really well hidden. Uh, you know, good levels, good, good sight lines here. Uh, walk us through this process, man. And, and how did you how did you get this thing greenlit? Uh, in I assume that's your basement. Is that a man cave? Where's this at? It is in the basement. It's actually uh, right over there from where I'm sitting right now on the other side of the computer. But um, yeah, this five TV setup is something. So going way back to my undergrad days, I used to I I lived in a fraternity. I used to pull TVs from all over the house, everybody's room. I'd get um, extent. I'd get cable uh, splitters. I'd get cables. I'd get boxes, all that stuff and put them into my room at the end for college football Saturdays. At the end of the day, I'd return them all. And I said, one day I'm going to do this where I don't have to bring the TVs out every single time. So my wife and I, we we have this house um, and this was before we we had a couple young young children now we finished the basement uh, i'm glad we did it when we did because i don't know if it get greenlit now um but we didn't have any kids at the time she said hey 
you can do this wall that you've always wanted to do or whatever. So my wife's a, a saint. She's a hero. She signed off on it. We were able to, to make it happen. And so, yes, my uh, this is my college football Saturday setup. I absolutely love it. It's also great for March Madness, as you can imagine. But uh, the wife signed off pre-kids, and I'm very thankful for that uh, every day. Heady, heady play on your part. How do you decide what goes on what TV? What's the strategy around what gets the big TV, what gets top left, bottom right? How do you decide that? Yeah, for sure. So the main TV is always going to be what what the game that I'm projecting to be the quote best game. And I use my ratings to, to help me figure out, you know, what am I going to watch? What am I going to care about? Um, so that's what goes on the main TV. And then the other four TVs are actually they're all the same size. Um, I, I typically put my number two game in the top right, number three game, top left, number four, bottom right, and number number five, bottom left. Uh, that's just kind of my internal process for what I'm doing. But I definitely use my ratings. What is the overall quality of the game? So what's the average K Ford rating of the two teams playing? And then how much, like how competitive is the game going to be? What's the differential between the two K Ford ratings once you account for home field advantage? That helps me decide um, which games to put on. There have been a time or two where I'm sitting there in a, in a 3.30 Eastern window and I'm like, dang, I wish I had a sixth one. But more times than not, <laughs> um, the, the five TVs get, get me through and, uh, and I really enjoy it. You do this with everything in life. Like, do you do this with your wife's dinners? I, I suggest you don't. You know, your chicken palm <laughs> is ranked like a 72, but your, your soup is down a little bit this week. No, no, I keep I keep it to college football. I, I know better than to than to get into those numbers. Everything my wife makes and everything she does, fantastic. Um, and just in case she sees this, I got to make sure I put that out there. But no, she she really is great. Um, she's an amazing wife. She's an amazing mom. All those things, best friend, all that stuff. But no, just the just the college football ratings. I'm actually going to get into college basketball ratings. I've been doing a little bit of playing around with that, but I am going to start publishing those uh, for the 23-24 season. So that's something that that I'm excited about. And you all should be very excited about joining the Big 12, of course, uh, on the men's side one of, if not the most competitive conferences in all of college basketball. Um, that's I love the Big 12, especially men's basketball. It's it's great, and so I'm excited to power at those teams. I don't know if we're looking forward to those rankings with our team coming in <laughs> next season. <laughs> that's a good point. It's a tough league. Tough league, but a good, good platform for you guys for sure. Wait, but going back to that picture real quick, what is that trophy? Did you win the uh, American Football Conference? What is that trophy down there on the bottom right? Yeah, so that, that actually, um, speaking of March Madness, that is um, our family, extended family uh, March Madness trophy. And so I, I tried to, I went up just, I don't remember what trophy website, tried to find one that kind of looked like the NCAA tro like championship trophy, basketball trophy. So that's what we came up with. Um, we've been doing it for, as I look, uh, you know, six or seven years now. Um, I have a I have a model, I have an algorithm that I use to complete my bracket, probably not surprising okay. based on the work I do with college football. Shocking, um, yeah. I've won it once. Um, I set the, set the record for most points ever in the pool. Um, we we do kind of a, a, a seed bonus. So it's a little bit different than just a straight scoring. Um, so I won it one year. I've been runner up like four times, which you don't get on the trophy for runner up. Um, and then I've had a couple dud showings uh, as well, but I'm definitely aiming to get back on, get back on that trophy here before too long. Okay. We appreciate you hopping in and sharing more about your analysis. You're a great follow on Twitter. If you're not following him at K Ford ratings, again, he, he said every team he's got a new graph out there every couple of days. He's got conference graphs out there. So for those of us jonesing for some football, uh, nothing better than to dive in. It's, it's never too early to go game by game and figure out win loss. It's a time on our tradition in college sports. Kelly Ford, thanks for making us smarter and uh, hopefully we'll have you back on the show soon. I appreciate it, Adam. Thank you so much, Mike. Great meeting you and uh, look forward to staying in touch with you guys. Thank you, Max Kelly. All right, so Kelly, clearly smarter than you and I, Mike. Uh, but the TVs, that's a that's an impressive feat right there. That's a nice setup. I mean, you you go to the den for a setup like that. You want to watch multiple games at once. Uh, at my house, I only have one TV. And then I got to go to the phone for a second one or maybe an iPad or something. But I, I, that's an impressive one he's got there. Five TVs.
Well, speaking of impressive, Mike, UCF softball is pretty impressive. They win the American Conference Tournament. They are now heading to Tallahassee to face South Carolina in the regional, Mike. That's on Friday at 7 p.m. And uh, I found this interesting. Coach Bear uh, was uh, was at the press conference after the the announcement. Um, and obviously, you know, softball had a really interesting season. I think they started a little slow with a tough schedule with a new team coming together. And I, and I thought Coach Bear had some interesting comments when she talked about this season, what they've been through, and kind of what it's meant to her. Yeah, it's just fun. It's, it's been a fun journey. Um, there's been some tough moments. There's been some moments of like questioning myself even, but that's what makes it so special is getting to, through those those moments and being able to say, all right, the trophy's right there. So. And so the, the trophy gets to stay with UCF our last time in the American Mike. And, uh, and in the first time ever in the Sons of UCF, uh, we have a, a twinning uh, situation. Like, let's bring in our friend. Eric Lopez. All right. It's just looks, looks, do you guys plan this out? Like what happened here? Well, in honor of Mike being back, I had to wear my Yarmir Yager, Florida Panther jersey. All right, Mike. Now I do have my Miami Heat 2013 championship hat. We're getting ready literally to tip off against uh, the Boston Celtics. And then obviously I have my American Conference UCF softball championship ring, which I'll be adding one more at least uh, going into next season. But, yeah, this is a fun time. I'm just happy, thankfully, thankfully, with Turner and ESPN working together, that the Panthers and the Heat now finally can play different nights instead of at the same time. That's been annoying. It have, like so far, all of our guests have uh, championships of some sort. You and I got to step our, our game up. And Eric, obviously UCF with the championship, winning the American Conference championship, last time in the conference, obviously – in your mind, what's the importance of UCF winning the AAC title here in their last year? How important was that for this team? I think it was critical on many levels. Number one, I don't think outside of a – if they lose to Memphis in the quarterfinal or in the semis to South Florida, I'm not sure they make the NCAA tournament. The way the, the, the week played out where all the upsets, what's going around in conference tournaments elsewhere, I'm not sure if they would have made it or not. It would have been tight. So, it, you know, made it less stressful. But I think it was – a historic moment. Think about it. It's in Tampa, Florida. It's the final time for the American. You go through USF one more time. You eliminate them in their park, and you celebrate the championship in their field. Uh, I think that's from an historical moment. That was very significant. And keep that momentum from last year, you know, with all that buzz coming into this season. And you played the clip with Coach Paul Malone, who admitted that, yeah, they had some early struggles. They had a lot, six walk-off losses. They were 19 and 18 at one point, and uh, it didn't look great. And they, this team stuck together. They've won 20 of their last 21. They're playing their best softball, and they're in another region on their 10th NCAA tournament, the most that any UCF sports team has, making the NCAA tournament since 2005. So to go out on top to uh, in a league where they won the you know the first year, they won the regular season title, and in their final year, they win the conference tournament and really have been the premier program. For the American when it comes to softball so it, it's uh it's one that I will never forget it's probably the most exciting emotional dramatic tournament run that I've been a part of since I've been the broadcaster at UCF since 2007. Well you, you've watched every game this team has played this year you just said this what what changed in these last 21 games what 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 switch was flipped what what changed that kind of had the second half of the season take off for the softball team? Pitching 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 it starts with Sarah Willis who Started the year as a two-way player, was working her innings up, and you know, head coach Cindy Bomalone had a sit-down with her and said, Look, we need to focus more on the pitching. We're gonna not play you as much as far as offensively, at least for a while. 
and she has been electric. She won the American Conference Pitcher of the Year Award. She threw the perfect game against Houston, the first seven-inning perfect game in program history, first perfect game in 20 years. She wins three games in the conference tournament, first UCF pitcher to win three games in a single elimination tournament since Allison Kime, the UCF Athletic Hall of Famer in 08 did. So it starts with that. Pitching, pitching, pitching has been the key for this team. I believe during this run, in these 21 games, 19 of them they've given up at two runs or less. So it starts there. And then you have timely hitting Kennedy Searcy moving up to the leadoff spot. They're eight, they're 20 and 21 and one this year with her in the leadoff spot. That's been a nice bright spot. Uh, and it's just all coming together. Much better defense behind Willis. Grace Jewell was solid through a no hitter against Arizona State. But it really is this young pitching that we had so many questions about that grew up in the second half of the year. Well, Sarah Willis is the hottest pitcher going right now, maybe in all of college sport, uh, softball. What's the strategy with her this weekend? She's going to start the first game. How many games can she pitch? Is there an innings limit? What do you think uh, Malone's going to do? I don't think there's definitely not a, an innings limit. I mean, I wasn't expecting her to throw all three games in the conference tournament, and she did, and she looks effective. You know, I expect her to get the ball against South Carolina opening night. That's a marquee matchup, by the way. Friday night, ESPN 2, 7 o'clock at night. Uh, you know, I was told by somebody, I was off the, I was on the phone now with someone that works at ESPN. They were telling me this is one of the marquee regionals in Tallahassee. Uh, and so I think it'll start there, but you're going to need other pitchers. I don't, you know, it's a double elimination format. You're, I think you're going to need other pitchers. I think you'll see Grace Jewell pitch some. I think you're going to see the rest of that staff pitch this weekend if they want to win this regional. Sarah can't carry the load and pitch every single game in a regional unless you stay in the winner's bracket which would mean a win on Friday against South Carolina. You would assume Florida State will take care of Maris. You play that winner's bracket game on Saturday, then you play on Sunday. That's the only way, in theory, she could play every game. But again, against the teams like FSU and South Carolina, you're going to have to give them different looks. So I expect Grace Jewell to get some innings, Caitlin Felton to get some innings, Angelina DeVoe to get some innings. I think those are the four pitchers you're going to see at some point this week. Jada Cody, her number is a little bit down this year. I know she had a historic season last year. But what's been the difference? Have teams approached her differently and pitching her a little differently this season? Absolutely. They have kind of stopped pitching. They don't pitch to her as, as aggressive as they did a year ago. They've pitched around her, and that's given, given opportunities to freshman Aubrey Evans, who's hit behind Cody. So teams, you know, I've seen it in conference. That they'll intentionally walk Cody and, hey, let's see if the freshman can beat us. That's why Chloe Evans has had a monster year at the cleanup spot as well. Uh, and it's been an adjustment for Jada. Jada had a lot of high expectations for herself, a lot of eyes on her. Uh, you know, and she had a bit of an injury at some, at, during the season, at, which wasn't 100%. Teams weren't pitching. That's an adjustment for her. But don't make the don't don't miss to be fooled by the numbers. She still had a really strong year defensively. She's a weapon at third base and catching her base running. Uh, and patience being not, I mean, she's still among the leaders in runs scored. So while she's not having the home runs and the RBIs that she did last year, she's still producing and helping this team win in so many ways. They were not the, the same team without her. So uh, while it, it, and I think last year, you know, prior to last year, she wasn't really one that, you know, hit for a ton of 15, 10, 15 homers and drove in 60. That wasn't really who she was. I think that's one of those things that it just kind of was a magical year and it happened. Uh, but I think she still had a strong year and, I, I think she's, gonna, she's ready to go for this regional coming up here in Tallahassee. 
Eric, you talked about uh, Sarah Willis, talked about Chloe Evans. One of the other newcomers, Jazz Williams, uh, had, had a really big double play for UCF in, in the tournament, obviously. How big has she been and how, how important has her leadership been for this Knights team? It's been huge. She's been maybe the best defensive shortstop I've seen in a handful of years uh, at short with some of the double plays she's turned. Offensively, had a great week at Memphis, hit the big home run in the bottom of the six against Memphis to take the lead. Uh, had two home runs in that tournament. I think if it wasn't for Sarah Willis, Jasmine Williams would have been the team MVP of the of the of the conference tournament. And she's been that quiet leader. Uh, MLB.com did a great feature on her. For those that don't know her story, she's a mom who's also a wife, who's going to school, and she still has a year uh, left of eligibility. She's already said she'll be back, and she's been a nice rock solid leader there in the infield. Because that was a big question going to the year. They moved Michaela Macario to second, who was the starting shortstop last year. And you're like, well, is that a great idea or not? Yeah, no, it's been great. I mean, Jazz has been fantastic at short. It's one of the best defensive shortstop years I've seen, and Macario has been fantastic at second, and that's been a part of that second base, you know, defense, protect the queen. That's been their motto, Be playing great defense behind their pitchers. They've been on fire defensively over the last month, and Jazz Williams is a big part of that. Eric, who's somebody in this team? Who's a name maybe most fans aren't thinking about or following closely that you think has to really kind of step up and have a big weekend for the Knights to advance? It's going to sound weird to say this, but it's going to be, I think, Carson Fryer uh, in particular. Why? Not because of her bat, but because behind the plate. Florida State in particular, if they play FSU, uh, even Amaris, to some extent South Carolina, they all like to run in the base in the base pads. I think Carson Fryer, who had a big, big, big defensive play, stealing bases uh, against South Florida, shut down their running game. She has to be solid behind the plate. She's really had a good month. Funny story about her, her father played uh, on the FSU National Championship team in football in 99. Her uncle was on the 93 National Title team at FSU, so there's going to be a lot of family members there. Her cousin was Steve Pierce, who was the World Series MVP for the Red Sox in 18. So she has a lot of family pedigree. I think she's a key factor defensively this week. And I'll give you another name that I think is going to be a key factor. And again, it goes back to Aubrey Evans, because I think teams are going to pitch away from Cody and, and Chloe Evans. And I think Aubrey Evans, who had a great conference tournament, even though people have known her now, the freshman from Apopka, she has to have a big, uh, I think, regional for this offense to click because they're going to they're not going to have a ton of opportunities. This is a premium type of a regional when it comes to pitching uh, with FSU, with Catherine Sandercock, South Carolina, with Goldburn, who, who's a hot name now, been good for South Carolina. So I think those are a couple of names to keep in mind. Uh, and then a Savannah Adams or Katie Burge off the bench. They got to produce offensively off the bench when they're called and their numbers called, whether it be pinch hitting or pinch running. I think those are two other names that maybe people aren't, uh, the casual fans, not familiar with that I think could play a key role this weekend. Last year is Maddie Bejarano with the big clutch hits. Who's the one that's clutch on this team? Is it Shannon Doherty still? It's been her, but I think Chloe Evans. I mean, think of South Florida. UCF beat South Florida four times. Chloe Evans had the three game-winning RBIs in those wins uh, in three of the four games. She has hit the walk-off homer against Boise State at 12.30 a.m. Uh, uh, over the night, the longest I've ever stayed at the Plex. She's been the stud to transfer from Minnesota. She's been a rock-solid clutch player who's a player that you want at the plate with the game on the line at cleanup spot. And Shannon's been hitting behind her. It's been a really good 4-5 mix there offensively. So I think that's the name to watch. But certainly Shannon Doherty has the pedigree to be as clutch as anybody. And you're right, Mike. That's a key factor in this region. You've got to have timely hitting. And I think Chloe and Shannon have to be solid regionals 
where their opportunities come and their numbers called. So, and, and think about this. Chloe Evans transferred from Minnesota. Sarah Willis transferred from Minnesota, uh, Washington. Jasmine Williams transferred of Oregon. Sydney Beaumont nailed all three transfers. Look back to last year. Kamal Woodall from ECU. There's not a better UCF coach. I dare you guys to argue with me. Who's a better UCF coach on campus right now as far as identifying talent in the transfer portal and hitting and having massive impact to their teams than Coach Paul Malone when you consider the players she's brought in from the portal? Forget the portal. Just overall, I think she's the best <laughs> coach on campus. And I don't even know what's close right now. I'm not going to argue with you. I mean, she's got a top 17 recruiting class coming in uh, this fall to add to this team going to the Big 12 with this roster, which, by the way, everybody on this roster is eligible to come back next year. Everybody, except Elise Volpe, who's uh, who's done. Everybody else is eligible. Now, whether everybody comes back or not, who knows in today's landscape of college athletics, who knows. But you look at this core, you know, they, they've got a chance. With one more win in this regional, they'll win 40-plus games for the third year in a row, which has never happened in the program's history. And I think, and I've said this, I think them and women's soccer might be in position to compete right away in the Big 12 versus the other sports. Not saying there won't be an adjustment. And certainly the disadvantage that softball has next year is that Oklahoma is still in it. So um, that might mean that we don't get one of these per se next year. But I think they're going to be in the mix. And I think moving forward after Oklahoma and Texas leaves, I think UCF is going to be a factor uh, with the Big 12. So, yeah, Coach Bumalone's done a great job building this program. Uh, but they're looking to make some noise this year uh, in this regional. You hope that that experience from last year could help them here in Tallahassee. You saw our last guest with all his percentages. What percent do you give us to come out of this thing and make it to a super regional? Ooh, mathematics here. Uh, I would say, <laughs> well, considering they're a three seed, this might sound low, but I actually think it's pretty high. I think it's 35, 40%. Uh, when you consider they're a three seed, look, Florida State's legit. I mean, they're a three seed for a reason. I think they're a national title contender. If you tell me who's the biggest threat to Oklahoma this year, it might be Florida State. Uh, they have great depth pitching wise, they have great speed, good balance offense. But I think UCF, certainly with the experience from last year, from the from the hitters, they could push Florida State here. And uh, this is I, – I, if you're a World Cup soccer fan, you know this, and, and maybe Leo is. By the way, where is Leo? Did he go – did I hear that right? Did he go to Italy? Is that how bad the Knicks loss stung yes. to him, Adam, that he just had yeah. to leave the country? Yeah, him and Julius Randle. <laughs> I got right, got right out of Dodge. <laughs> well, there you go. We'll never see them again there. Leo's doing all the smack talk. But – I think that's going to be a, a droop of death type of regional in Tallahassee. I think it's the toughest regional in the in the regionals, and for UCF, it's got it, it's it's going to be a stacked regional. And it, I think thirty five percent is a very reasonable considering they're a three seed uh, overall. They are a big threat. If you look at all the three seeds across the country, UCF is probably the best three seed. So um, I would say thirty five percent. I think it'll be pretty dramatic. Should be interesting atmosphere in Tallahassee. Either are you heading up there? Or can we catch you in the call anywhere? What's your what's your situation? I haven't figured all that out. I haven't figured. I mean, this is a crazy week. I got the Heat right now playing the Celtics yep. as I'm talking yep. to you, Adam. Which is a, props to you for being focused. I can't. Uh, I'm not watching. Sixteen, fifteen, Boston early on. Go ahead. <laughs> we we got the Panthers <laughs> against the Hurricanes tomorrow. Are we beating the Hurricanes here, Mike? Are we giving? Am I should I be confident or concerned? I'm confident, man. This team just feels like after that Boston series, the way down three one and the way they won those last three games down to the last minute in game seven. It just feels like one of those teams of destiny. You know when your team's going to run, like my Giants did a couple times, and, oh, yeah, and as an underdog, an eight seed, yeah. it, it feels different, man. It feels good. I'm confident coming into the series. 
I don't believe well on the road. That's right. They have been really good on the road. Although I don't think home ice and hockey matters, but that's a whole other story. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm with you. So I got the Panthers on third, you know, so now I got the UCF yeah. regional, the Panthers and the heat. That's a lot for me to keep up with. So I haven't decided yet if I'm going to be in Tallahassee in person or if I'm going to call it, maybe I do a watch along. If you guys are interested, oh, maybe. Okay. That keep yeah. Up. I don't know. I got to figure out. I got to need multiple sets to follow between heat Panthers and UCF. It's a good problem to have, but it is unique. Nonetheless. You gotta go to that right, guy I'm, Kelly Ford's house. He's got yeah, five I TVs. Yeah, Kelly Ford's available if you, if you need. I don't know where he that's lives. That's true. I, that's who I need to hook up. I need a friend there that he can hook me up with some monitors there. All right, Elon. I'm always stuck listening to Mike and Leo with New York Talk. So finally, someone I can talk South Florida sports with. I'm gonna get Mike involved though because I know he's a big Panthers fan. Last week was a pretty cool event. You've been around actual South Florida sports for a long time, having the Heat and Panthers both as eight seeds clinch on the same night. How cool was that, man? To as a South Florida sports fan to see that go down. It's one of the best nights. And, you know, let's add to the fact that earlier that day, UCF beat South Florida in softball. So for me, it was like trifecta. I mean, it's that was pretty much a lot of fun. But you're right. The heat to take out the Knicks, be the second eight seed to get to a conference final since the 99 Knicks. So I feel in a way, Adam, that this is payback Astrid. for 99. That's an asterisk, though. Strike short and season. Strike short and season. That's an asterisk. There you go. But I'm just saying, we got we stuck that over the Knicks. And then the Panthers in overtime, it was like 16 minutes later. After the Heat beat the Knicks, the Panthers score the overtime goal to take out the Maple Leafs and all the Canadians kind of crying about another year without a Stanley Cup. That was pretty awesome. A pretty awesome moment with the two franchises, the eight seeds, getting to the final four, if you will. That That's uh, that's going to be one that it will be remembered for a long time. And it's just uh, that that you're right. That Friday night was pretty awesome. All right, we'll get you out of here with one final question. If you can only pick one of those two teams, Heat or Panthers, to advance – to the finals like you can only have one eric either heat going the nba finals or the the panthers go to the nhl stanley cup finals what do you got oh jeez. oh that's a tough question there because i know mike's wants the cup adam you want the, t- the nba finals title right? i want to hold i want to hold the larry o- lob i want lob mike wants stanley yep oh i kind of i kind of going to side with mike and the cup only because the panthers have never won a cup right the heat have won three titles I feel like we're playing, and I feel like we're hypocrites, Adam, because three weeks ago or a month ago, you, me, JP, were declaring this franchise to blow up this roster. (laughs) Let's go for Taylor Tank for Weminyama. Weminyama at that point, yeah. Like, I remember we're watching him get blitzed by the Hawks, and we're like, yeah, this team's done. You're like, this team doesn't can't relate to playing modern basketball. So we look like fools. Yeah, old tanks exposed, yeah. At least the Panthers, it's the hockey you expected. They actually, everybody knew they matched up with the Bruins, Mike, or Mike's got season. You got what do you got? Season tickets, Mike? You're going to get. No. How, how do you get to go? I just picked up tickets that day, and uh, I already have tickets secured. If I want them for Game Six in this series, Ooh. I'm hoping it doesn't get that far. I'd like to save some money and go to the games in the finals because <laughs> those seats are not cheap, and the no, beers. Oh my god! The yeah, beers. I've been to the Stanley Cup playoffs. They, they they jack it up a little bit there. Uh, the so I'd like to see the Panthers. I'll see the Panthers because, like I said, the Heat have won titles. Yeah, I've seen yeah. the Marlins win the World Series. Let's balance it out. Let's give the Panthers the Stanley Cup and really like keep you know the uh, bring the Stanley Cup to the Sunshine State down in South Florida. I- I'm okay with that. I mean, now look, if the Heat end up winning it and the Panthers don't, then I'm not going to lose sleep over. <laughs> At least you you get something. But yeah, I mean, I-, I need to see the cup. I I I told I told the story on the show a couple of times. I jinxed the Panthers in '96 when I touched the cup myself. I wasn't supposed to do that. Why did you do that? Because it was in front. It was right next to me. When am I ever going to touch the Stanley Cup ever again? <laughs> so I touched it, and we haven't won the Cup since. 
or ever. Oh, in fairness, ever. the Avalanche was a way better team that year. Uh, Joe Sackett. Yeah, and Patrick Wall. We couldn't score on him. That was a blowout for sure. Elo, nobody better for UCS softball. If you're going to do something, please let us know. Uh, we'll let the audience know to, to join you on Friday, Saturday over the weekend. I know everyone loves hearing your calls at UCS softball. So uh, Dan Cundiff, big fan of yours. He's looking to get involved too. So if uh, you're doing something, let us know, man. But thanks for always giving us some softball knowledge and all things UCF and sports related. Eric, you're the best. Uh, no, no, no problem. Check me out at Eric Lopez. I'll keep you posted. And always a pleasure talking to you both, gentlemen. And uh, the best of uh, best of luck with our respective franchises, if you will. Eric Lopez, you, the best in the business, buddy. We'll see you. Nobody's smart about softball, Mike. I mean, he makes me feel smart about softball when I listen to him talk. I mean, he just knows uh, so much about UCS softball. And we're really fortunate to have some uh, some really smart folks around covering our sports. Mike, let's do a quick around the kingdom. Then we got mailbacks here. Baseball. Mike, they beat Bethune, our final weekend series, Wichita State this weekend. Uh, Mike, we're at, we're in a weird spot at baseball. We're currently the four seed right now, right? We're only two back of the team in front of us, which is Wichita. But we are only one ahead of Cincy and two ahead of Memphis. So this is a really interesting weekend for UCF in terms of seeding for the uh, conference tournament. Mike, what is going to happen? How do you feel about baseball? Where are you at right now, my friend? I don't know how I feel about this team. And one day they look good. One day they look like complete crap. But this is a huge weekend. If seeding depending on this, I mean, you don't want to go in and face the top teams in the conference the first round. That's something you definitely want to avoid. You want to be somewhere in the middle of the pack. Give yourself a chance to maybe get on the good side of the bracket and, and give yourself a best chance of, of advancing because that's our only chance to make it to a regional is if somehow we pull off a miracle in the conference tournament. And if you want to go to that game, send me or Trace a DM. We have tickets for the game on the 19th and 20th club seats, courtesy of our friend John Morning. So send Trace, Mike, or I, one of us a DM. Tell us you want the tickets. And uh, if you're nice to us and you're the first one, you just might get those tickets, Mike. Uh, we're just hanging banners around here. Track and field wins the AAC Indoor Championship, Mike. I know you were celebrating, I assume, yes? Of course. I was glued to my uh, iPad screen for that one. Are you able yet to name the head track and field coach? Dana Boone. Come on. Everybody knows that. Look at you. And, Mike, it is big. Uh, Volleyball and women's soccer. Big 12 schedules have been released. Mike, it's starting to feel real that uh, we finally have have schedules. And maybe a fun trivia fact for those listening. I think, if I have all this right, the first ever UCF conference game in any sport will be women's soccer. We play them, I think, September 14th. Uh, will be the first ever game, West Virginia, UCF Women's Soccer, September 14th. That should be the first ever UCF Big 12 contest. So there's your answer to a trivia question. I'm sure we will ask at some point in our lives. We're about 40 to 43 days away from officially on July 1st being in the Big 12. It's been a long time coming. I'm excited for it. Uh, I'm ready to watch any kind of Big 12 action and not have to watch on the side Tulane versus Tulsa and see who wins that. You know, now we can watch uh, Baylor versus Oklahoma State. And at least there'll much be some better, fans yeah. in the stands, and it'll be an exciting game. Much better. You know what else is much better, Mike? It's that time again. It's back by popular demand. It's that time again. Time to open the Brian W. Peterson Sons of UCF mailbag. It's just never going to not make me laugh, Mike. I don't know why. I don't know how to stop. I just it, Every time it's going to make me laugh. That's the way it's back. <laughs> it is. He's really excited that that it's back, and that is for sure. Mike, before we get to this, you told me off the top of the show, again, a bit of a different show, Trace and Leo on assignment, enjoying some some much-deserved uh, time off, some time with friends and family tonight. So Leo and Trace not joining us, Mike. So a bit of a different feel, Sons of UCF podcast-ish feel. You've got some sort of top five list? 
You, you want to share? I do. I do. I have a top five. You know, it's a very hockey themed episode here. Okay. We got all okay. the Panther stuff going on. I have the top five UCF hockey names of all time. Wait, Ready? so these are these are people who played other sports but sound like a hockey name, or they no. actually played hockey? They played for UCF, but it's not, their names can be hockey names. Okay. What's going to do with hockey? All right. Names that All right, can happen. I'm ready. Number five. Yeah. Stamboni Jackson. I see what you did there. I see what yeah. you did there. Okay. Um, I'll give it to yeah. you. That's number five. They get better. Number four. Josh Blue Lineum. The Blue Line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 nah. Not doing it for me. Number three. John Ice Plumley. Okay. All right. I see what you did there. Makes yeah. some sense. Yep. Number two, Kevin Smythe. What? Are you kidding me? Kevin Smythe? No. Can't get it. Yeah, it is. All right. Number one, there's no denying. Vic Penalty Box. We're big, you know, big, big Pen fans around here. (laughs) I can't, I can't. Yeah, I mean, we're big Vic Penn fans around here. I, I can't deny Vic Penn on that. That's a, that's a, that's a great top five list. The fans are going crazy, uh, except for <laughs> Devin, who's not a big fan. I'm like, all right, here's mailback time. This is tough. I actually have to read these and watch the screen all at the same time. So who knows what's going to happen? At the real SOTG, are all these AAC trophies proof that UCF should change conferences? Well, I mean, it's proven that we've um, come to the competition on every conference that we've been to, and achieve success we're winning conferences and then we're ready for the next step that's what it's proven is that we're ready to make this next leap to go to the big 12 and if you've listened to me before i've always said this big 12 is just another step for ucf to eventually one day when we get into the sec or the big 10 whatever the final destination is going to be so we're going to come to the big 12 we're going to win all the conferences here and then we'll move on again Wow, you see if Mike projecting more. Uh, this is from at the JP Gilbert, our good friend. Uh, there was a story this week that UCF requested $176 million from tourist tax money. JP Gilbert wants to know, heady play or should we be ashamed of ourselves? You know me as a very selfish person. <laughs> <laughs> the only time I ever go to Orlando nowadays, I mean, if we're not going to the theme parks with my kids, is to go to UCF, to go to a UCF game. So if they can get this money to improve my experience, on campus, I'm all for it. When I realized it was just you and I on the show and there was a political question that had to be asked, I could not wait <laughs> to fire this one. Uh, at Brian W. Peterson, uh, since Adam asked and now Trace asked, does this mean I get to ask two questions? Brian can ask as many questions as he want. Now, are we going to answer them? I don't know. Are we going to read them on air? I don't know, but you can keep asking them. All right. At Brian W. Peterson, what would you choose, Mike, if you only had one option? Bring back the roller coaster basketball court or bring back gold jerseys. This is not even close for me. That roller coaster basketball court was disgusting. I never want to see it ever again. Gold wow. jerseys. I'm a fan of gold jerseys. We can bring back the gold. This is all Brian does on on Twitter. Is all he does is discuss gold jerseys. I hope for their sake, for his sake, they bring it back. And you know what should happen? We should do it once a year, once every year. Homecoming, gold jerseys. Stamp it. Make it happen. Yeah, he's really leaned into these gold jerseys, Mike. I think, look, if gold is done correctly, it won't look so bad, to your point, on a one-off. But the George O'Leary, like, levels of hydration gold was not what we needed, Mike. That was just, that was not a good look for us. Yeah, I, I don't care. It's a throwback. Every Eventually, people are going to want those back. I mean, everything goes in cycles. 
you as a kid, when you saw pictures of your parents in bell bottom jeans and you know, all that stuff, you're like, that stuff's never going to come back. You look like an idiot, the afros and all that stuff. Eventually it all comes back. That gold Jersey is going to be cool again. It might not be 2023, maybe in 2033, maybe 2043. Eventually when we bring back those Kevin Smythe jerseys, in that, <laughs> that urine goal, people are going to lose yeah. their minds and they're going to love it. All right. At Brian W. Peterson, on his third question. I think this one might be for me, though, Mike. Top five seltzer flavors. I don't think you're prepared for a top five seltzer flavors. You want me to take this one for you? Yeah, they're all disgusting, but go ahead. I mean, they're not all disgusting. Like top five seltzer flavors. I am prepared. Are you ready? I don't. But see, you can't really judge this list because you don't know any better. But number five, just old school, traditional white claw, black cherry. <laughs> Number four, little fun tip for you guys. Truly, they make a lemon and a lime flavor. Mix them together. You got lemon lime, twice the drink. Fun tip for everybody. Truly lemon lime, number four. Number three, Mike, truly citrus squeeze. It's lemon, lime, orange, and a little hint of grapefruit. Very refreshing. Very good idea. Truly citrus squeeze at number three. One of my new faves, Mike, are you familiar with Happy Dad? Happy Dad has a seltzer out now. It's got <laughs> electrolytes in it, Mike, and the uh, the fruit punch flavor, great. They also have a new grape flavor that has death row records on the uh, on the can. I don't know why, uh, but it was actually delicious as well. So uh, Happy Dad, either uh, the, the fruit punch or the uh, the grape is fine. And number one, just plain old Bud Light Black Cherry, Mike. If you just need something quick, you need to need a quick seltzer, Bud Light Black Cherry. You can't beat it. Those are the top five uh, Sons of UCF seltzers, Mike. Any uh, want to weigh in Look, there? Or somebody gonna... brings that stuff to my house. It sits in that refrigerator until the next time we have people over at the house. I won't even drink them. It's, I treat them like the natural lights that my brother-in-law brings over the house. I don't yeah. want them. I have no need for them. If you want to yeah. store them here until the next party, I guess that's cool. All right. Send them up my way if you want to, Mike. At Black and Gold Ed, who leaves UCF first? Cindy Ball Malone, Dana Boone, or Tiffany Roberts Sedehack? I think we got to do whatever we have to do to keep Sydney Ball Malone here. She, like we just discussed with Elo, she is the best coach on campus, even though Dana Boone won Coach of the Year this year. In my opinion, Ball Malone is the best coach on campus in a sport that matters more. Yeah, let's be honest. Softball is on ESPN every day now. You're going to see all these games. When was the last time you saw a uh, women's track and field event on TV? You probably got to stream all that stuff. So softball is a big time sport. Ball Malone's done an incredible job the last few years building this program. You got to do whatever you can to keep her here. If you have the other one to leave, that's just the way it goes. At the JC morning, uh, he asked this one just because Trace is not here. Uh, should UCF ditch the Knights and just become the Citronauts, Mike? Uh, no, I don't think it's going to happen. I know a lot of people want it to happen. That's a YP. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. <laughs> I don't even know if the only reason that it's a thing is because we make money off it. Let's face it. We don't have as big of a fan base as some of these blue blood schools like Oklahoma and Texas. We need to make money as much as we can. And our fan base is going to buy twice the amount of stuff. If we have one Citronaut shirt and we have a night shirt, they're going to buy both. So we need to make money that way. But I don't think it's ever going to happen where we're going to completely rebrand our school all right one last one that came in mike at hugh c hef if you had a thousand dollars that you were willing to spend happy to spend easily could spend and you could get any sort of uh, ucf nil um, a deal arrangement situation uh experience perhaps what's what's something you would spend a thousand dollars on mike i would spend a thousand dollars that's a lot of money Whoo, that could almost get you into the taylor swift concert um <laughs> almost <laughs> 
that was what would I? Yeah. The only I mean, we, we had Zach on the show, Mike. He kicked a field goal. He got a chance to kick a field goal. What experience would you want to buy for a grand? Hmm. Call a play. I mean, you know, Gus takes a quarter off. You know, you had to you had to help design the jersey. I mean, what do you you got you got a thousand bones, bro? Yeah, I'm not into like you know the whole meeting guys and all the fame. I don't get starstruck and stuff. Like, that's when I meet guys. I'm, I'm all <laughs> about the amenities, the experience. Give me the the best possible seats with all inclusive food, drinks for a year. Uh, is that fair? A thousand dollars? That's not enough. That's not enough because you know my season tickets cost about a thousand dollars, and I'm not getting that. So. um for a couple games at least, or how about uh, a free airplane ride to, to travel with the team for a game? Something okay. Like that. Well, it's not free because you paid a thousand bucks, but yeah. yes, I see where you're going with that. Trip yeah. or something. First you know, class, not to Stillwater, not not to Lubbock. <laughs> make it Norman. Where do you want to go? Make okay. it Norman. We'll go to Norman. Oklahoma game. Uh, a flight, uh, hotel, all you know, all accommodations included, drinks, a whole package. Mike needs it all for a thousand bucks. Uh, that makes a lot of sense, Mike. Uh, thanks everyone for tuning in. I know it's Wednesday. I know our schedules got jacked up. Trace and Leo again, joined some time off. Mike able to join us. We're trying to work on a bunch of stuff. Uh, we have vacations coming up, so our schedule is probably gonna be a little weird over the next couple of weeks. So just follow us on social media uh, and we'll keep you posted. Big thanks to Kelly Ford and Eric Lopez who came on and made us smarter. Uh, we always appreciate that, Mike. And again, don't forget to check out uh, this replay. If you listen to our podcast, you can also find that on our podcast feed as well. Um, that's Mike. I'm Adam. We are the Suns UCF and we will talk to everybody soon. Go Knights. Let's go Panthers. Uh, that's not what we're doing. Sports Social Podcast Network. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.